You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Bracken, you're all fired up over there. All fired up. Why? Well, we got we got fun announcements, Kirk. Fun direction in life right now. And so I'm fired up on life. I'm a high on life. Ooh, that's the best kind of high. I heard you went skiing again, and I know that the listeners are very anxious to find out if you were like a baby deer again or not. People lit into me on your skiing post. <laughs> I know they did. Oh. So I went out again. This is my second time. We got snow. Got eight inches of snow this past week. It's about time. Yep. And I didn't go early. So I I had a podcast to edit. So I got up and did that. And then kids happened and I didn't get out there till about 11 a.m. I got a pro tip for you about that though. Okay. The serious skiers show up at first light bracken. The recreational skiers show up midday and late in the day. So if you want to be amongst your peers. (laughs) (laughs) I got to show up at about midnight. (laughs) About 3.30 in the afternoon is a good good time to start. All right. Well, there were probably 55 people on this trail system when I got there. The parking lot was packed. I've never seen it this full in my life. And it was just my nightmare. It's like that nightmare where you you show up at school naked. I was... Mm totally exposed and out in the open did you ever have that nightmare as a kid oh yeah i did too showed up to school and forgot to put pants on why does that happen to people and then i'd have it when i was teaching i'd have i'd be dreaming i'd be teaching and suddenly i'd realize like i don't have my shirt on or i don't have my pants on and it just hits you in the middle of the dream like oh i think this is inappropriate i think teachers need to be wearing (laughs) pants and then the principal would walk in to do a random walkthrough and i'd be trying to like play off the fact why i'm not wearing clothes while teaching high school. <laughs> Dreams are weird. You know, though, and then we'll move on to your skiing again, is remember like when we were younger, it was like the wind pants day and those wind pants were thin, man. I don't know if you ever wore those things and oh, I would oh, actually, okay, well, me too. And I would actually walk to school or be at school and suddenly couldn't feel like I, I didn't have pants on because they were so light that that dream, actually, I would panic in real life thinking that I forgot my pants because of that dream and because of wind pants. Never had that, did you? Well, I usually had, you know, I had nice wind pants, Kirk. I had Umbro. Oh, Umbro's nice. Zubas, Zubas would do that to me too. Yeah. Keep going. Well, so I was exposed and I clipped into the skis and I got them clipped in first try and I picked up the poles and I just kind of, I pulled forward a couple poles to get, uh, to get some movement. And then I, my ski just moved out to the left and pushed off. And then my right pushed off. And suddenly I was just skate skiing right down the trail. Just like that. It was sink or swim. And your boy hit the ground swimming. Wow. I'm proud of you, man. Now, I certainly looked amateurish, but it was 100% better because I moved mm-hmm. compared to the other time. And it was two things because I was, my, my mind was blown. I left the first day having worked for, for almost 40 minutes and did not chain together skating. 
And the second time I hit the ground and did it from the start. So part of it had to have been a relaxation and a balance issue. Yep. But the second part was it was raining during my first one. The snow quality makes a huge difference. And so I don't know. I, I really don't know. But even like last time I, the only way I could get uphill was by just pulling myself forward. And this time I was able to, you know, chop, choppy ski the whole way to the top. Um, it, it was still amateurish. I still had a lot of wobbles out there. I had my first fall. Yeah. Good for you. I was going uphill and I was trying to, to hammer on. It was my second to last loop and I was trying to do it faster than the previous loop. And I hit my pole inside my ski. <laughs> I've been there. Because I was, I was out wide, you know, getting uphill. Mm -hmm. and, and then I went down at about one mile per hour. Going down while you're going uphill is a tough place to restart skiing to. It was, it was awkward, but... I think, I think, you know, when you get fresh snow and then you get a little bit, it gets like, it gets a little fluffy up there and people have been hitting it all day. It gets a little more forgiving and you can feel your, your skis contact with the ground better than you can feel the movement with your, when you're on icy rainy type snow, you got to really know what you're doing. And I clearly don't. I mean, for your first try, it was, you were setting yourself up for frustration. Yeah. So I did 40 some minutes move the whole time. And the first half I was concentrating on moving and not falling. And the second half I was concentrating on maximizing my glide on each stride. So I was, I was making steps forward. I was starting to think, all right, I could see how this will become an exercise because the first day my heart rate never got above probably 90. Yeah. What was your average heart rate for the effort? I didn't, I didn't wear a heart rate monitor because I didn't oh. expect to move. <laughs> I thought right. it was going to be a drill day. It'll only get better too. So yeah. Congratulations. Is that why you're all fired up? No, no, I'm fired up because you and I had a phone conversation yesterday. That's right. We did. Well, first I had a Hunter McIntyre phone conversation. That'll fire you right up. And then I made a business decision about sport, not about actual business. So I'll preface this. So I was, I text Bracken and all it said was you doing Jacksonville. And his answer was, nope. And I'm not going to do San Luis Obispo. I may show up to West Virginia. Yep. And then no more than eight minutes later, my phone rings and it's Bracken telling me now he is going to do Jacksonville. <laughs> okay. It was more than eight minutes. 10, maybe 10 teen minutes. Okay. Yeah. Whatever it was. So clearly as soon as I asked, your brain started going a little bit. <sighs> Spartan dropped their Spartan race national series, the U S national series schedule on us over the weekend how do you feel about that before we even get into this i, I think it's worth talking about for a second how do i you don't feel like it the whole i don't deal? like it because like two out of the five aren't going to happen at least odds are that california will not allow an event to be held and that's two events in a row in a row mm -hmm. i'm wondering i guess i wonder from this okay you can't blame Spartan for trying to advance like just our current race climate and Correct. situation. You cannot fault them for that at all. You can appreciate their ambition and I don't hold that against them whatsoever. Do you believe it's financial at this point or it's like just ego or it's Joe DeSena? Do you have any idea? No. And we don't know the inner workings. They might have handshake agreements in place. They might have promises from city councils and local governments. We, we have no clue what's happening. But I would have guessed that we would have seen a series of races held in places that are viable options. We, Utah makes sense. Florida mm -hmm. makes sense. We've seen Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina. We've seen that work. We know the states like Texas mm -hmm. <laughs> are going to allow you to do whatever you want. So I thought we were going to see a bit more of that, where we could say, 
yeah, it's on you whether you want to show up or not, but these races are happening because these local mm -hmm. governments don't care. No, what I thought, I saw Jacksonville in February and San Luis Obispo in April, and I thought, damn it, we've been lying to the running public about periodizing their season yeah. <laughs> this whole time because all of our intel, all of our intel told us May from what we knew. And here we are just filling your ears with this grand scheme and beautiful plan. Well, we're going to get this. This is all going to come full circle, folks. Don't you worry. I wonder if they weren't trying to, to plug some leaks. If they didn't put out some false intel to see who would run with it, then they can cut those sources off at the knees. Well, we got no knees no more, Bragging. So anyways, I wasn't excited about the execution of it, but I was very excited about the fact that they were releasing a series to begin with. Because it's been a savage race, and that's it. I can't fault them for actually putting something, putting dates out, giving us structure. Like, I actually want to pat them on the back. I, but I also, at the same time, it's, it's like, you know, I guess it's the fire-ready aim. It's... Typical Spartan. It it's is two fifths to three fifths of a, a well executed idea. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. And then you got to think about the thought process. We're going to get into all this. We're, we have a, like something we're going to teach you today, but um, <laughs> this is worth talking about because it's a huge deal. This is a huge freaking deal. You have people like when I think, okay, well, maybe I should go to Florida because Ryan Atkins can't cross the border right now. There's one more place I'm going to take. Some people aren't going to be comfortable traveling in this current climate. You might snag another place or two. Like strategically, as a flatlander living at sea level, there's two races, Utah and Big Bear, that are at elevation, which don't suit necessarily our, where we live. Then you start to think like, maybe, maybe my ass is going to Florida. Maybe you got to strike when the iron's hot at sea level. Maybe you got to take advantage of some of your competitors, unfortunately, being rendered useless. And every single athlete out there who has a chance to do well in the series is going through those same thoughts. Are they not? <laughs> Bracken, what's going on over there, Bracken? Apparently, the whole city's mobilized with emergency vehicles right now. Oh, Bracken had himself on mute. He kept giving me the finger in circles, telling me to keep babbling. You're rolling. I'm passing it, Bracken. I've had some people asking, why do you have so many? Do you live in a terrible place? Why are there always sirens? And I don't live in a terrible place. I live in a city and it's not the nicest city, but it's not the worst city. But we have the police department and the fire department within three blocks of my house. Yeah. So anything within the city limits all routes through my backyard. When we record these things, guys, Bracken is constantly muting and unmuting himself. It's a little distracting. Sometimes I don't know how I keep it together as you're just telling me to roll as you're unmute. You know, I, I rely on you. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> and your mute button heavily. But you're right. People have a decision to make right now. And you and I both made a out of, I don't know if it's out of character, but out of running public character decision this weekend. Completely out of character to what we have been preaching. I would say to the public. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. And and I got a call from Hunter and he was asking how things were going and what kind of shape I was in. And I'm Hunter and I have a pretty honest relationship with each other. We'll vent to each other. We'll be, we'll share harsh, harsh truths with each other. He's one of, I told him this weekend, I actually sent him a message. I said, Hey, I just want to thank you for always telling me what needs to be said. He's one of three to four people on this planet that I can trust to just shoot straight with me, no matter the cost. Mm -hmm. And he did that with me again this week. And he said, you know what? I understand that you're not in good shape, that you're slow building, that you say you're, you're going to not, you're going to check every box and you're not going to come back to a race until you are set up to do what you want to do in that race. He said, I respect that. 
but there are a lot of people that I talk to who have been saying that for a couple of years. Or just wait till I'm in great shape, and then I'm going to show up once I know I can win it. And it gets you in a cycle of being reliant upon the perfect setup, the perfect build, the perfect execution, the perfect race to suit your skill set. And sometimes you just have to go trial by fire and take some notes from the experience and then move on again from there. I feel like no matter how good of shape somebody is in, if you come into a race at the level of our competition that it is at at this point in time, no matter how prepared you are, no matter if you're the most fit person at the start line, if you haven't raced, you're not going to win that race. You can't jump in and just expect the clouds to open and the sun to shine down upon your first place medal. And so I agree with that completely. When a hunter has has a good ability to cut through the nonsense and the noise to the core principles of an idea or a problem. He's unique in his ability to identify what needs to be done to train specifically for a race. And he's unique in his ability to cut through people's BS and say, here's a deal. And he was right. We preach periodized builds. We preach not skipping steps in the sequence, but you can become, you can fall victim to being controlled by that process. Where if your process isn't in order, you aren't ready to go out there and be a killer. And something that Hunter has is he's always in shape, but he's not always the most in shape for a specific event. He has great general fitness, but he's a killer. His mental game is up there with some of the most impressive mental games I've ever witnessed in real life as an athlete. And he shows up, and we've talked about it before, with a true disdain for the people around him at the starting line. He respects them, but he has a disdain that they would even consider trying to beat him, even if he has no business with the amount of running he's been doing, towing the line at that kind of race. Mm -hmm. We saw it in Spartan games. Look how he did at the Spartan cross event with 200 plus pounds on him and no real running training compared to what the people around him did. He pushed the best guy in our sport, arguably, to the brink each time, and he beat some really good Spartan athletes who have been running like crazy because he just expects excellence from himself and he stays in that mode and you can break out of that mode by having to have all your stars aligned for a long time in training before you'll take a chance well it's kind of glorifying the process and it all coming together perfectly Mm -hmm. and that's what we're banking on if for example with your comeback and with my comeback so to speak but is that reality Is it really reality? And how are you going to race well if you never race? And Bracken, when's the last race you've run? The 2019 Tahoe Ultra. Okay. October 1st, September 31st, something like that in 2019. It'll be a year and a half since you've raced, even if you tow the start line in Jacksonville. For me, it would be a full year. I think tiptoeing your way to your first start line and I think Brack and Avi or, or Hunter brought this to light and then our conversation solidified it on the phone yesterday. But what are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? What are we waiting for? We can hide and people do. We can hide behind really good, solid training principles because we stand behind our beliefs. Periodizing your year gets you to your highest fitness. Not skipping steps gets you to your highest, safest fitness. But if you fall victim to being held together only by your process, are you actually able to use all this fitness you're building up? Mm -hmm. And I can say that I looked at my calendar this weekend after Hunter got off the phone with me. Kirk, I looked down and it's been 28 weeks since my second surgery. 
And I've been slow building consistent, semi-consistent running for 14 weeks. What am I waiting for? Could I continue to build out forever? Yes. Should I? Maybe if I were trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. But that's not what our life is. It's not. My life is not predicated around race winnings anymore. Race finishes. I raced for the pure thrill and enjoyment of throwing myself out there and getting after it. This is what I think. Barring you don't go to this next race, Jacksonville, or I don't, because maybe we are health compromised or we don't think it's a smart idea. Maybe that's, a, that's, that's understandable. But at this point, if I see you go and tow the start line or I see myself, I mean, I'm eight weeks into running Brack and I, I'm behind the eight ball here. Um, I, I see you at the start line and going and putting yourself out there against the competition that it is today. And know what I do? My hat goes off to you for showing up, swallowing pride and sticking your nose in the game. And I thought about that with myself before I sent you that text yesterday saying, you're doing Jacksonville? Because if you look at this from the outside, some could chalk up waiting as being smart, but some could chalk up waiting as being fearful. And I think making a fear-based decision is a terrible rationale when you make any decision. And if it's fear of failure, if it's fear of looking foolish, if it's fear of not being your best self, if it's fear of thinking Kirk and Bracken are washed up, bullshit. And never make a fear-based decision. And when I thought through that process, I thought, I'm only going to have 16 weeks of training and running two or three days a week, but fuck it. I'm going because it's going to set me up better for later in the year. And so that's the thought process I went through. Same. And one leads to the other. Following the process can lead to fear-based decisions if your process isn't there. Now, this sounds hypocritical of us Mm -hmm. because we preach the practical side of building, but we also preach that your mental game supersedes everything on race day. You can't fake fitness just by being tough, but you can't access fitness if you're weak. Correct. So we both decided that again, barring an injury in the next eight weeks and barring it not being health-wise safe, socially conscious of us to travel, we're going down to Jacksonville. We're going down to Jacksonville. With whatever fitness we have that day, we are showing up with no excuses and we're just going to run our little hearts out. (laughs) Our big hearts back and, and our big quads. And so I'm pumped. You know, and here's the thing. First of all, we're going to tie this into the running public training plan, which is almost ready to be launched. It was ready until Spartan released their race schedule. So, so Bracken and I sat down, put our wizardry to work, and laid out the most beautiful um, running public training plan that was going to generally follow the U.S. National Series as we had thought, and build you and peak you, and oh, it was so beautiful. And right after we did that. Two days after completing it. Two days after that happened, Spartan announced that Jacksonville was going on. And so Bracken and I hemmed and hoed over what we wanted to do with this training plan. And then it kind of helped us reflect on ourselves, didn't it, Bracken? So Mm -hmm. the running public training plan is going to get you ready to race right away if you want without compromising your long-term build in the process. We found a way to make this all work for you, by the way. But I think you and I talking through this, Bracken, helped helped us realize that it's possible and if it excites you to go race right away and it excites you, it just, it's, you need something right now. It's been a long time with nothing. We got plenty of time to reset after that race and go back into the right periodized step of the the build anyways. So when we really discussed all that, it was like, it kind of made the decision for us. Yeah. And that was the deciding factor for me. I, the two things that mattered the most to me were one, 
one of my big premises of this return to fitness and racing after surgeries was that my mind game controls me and I need to be a killer. I need to walk around with a killer mentality as an athlete. And this is a step towards cementing that rather than a step of shying away from that. And then the second piece was what is worst case scenario, Kirk, outside of an injury? Worst case is that we arrive there, we get our butts handed to us, and that's a legitimate, legitimate concern. And we're not racing. We're not going to California because it's not happening. And if it does, we're not going anyways, most likely. We don't have races for two months after that anyways. So if it exposes us to our core, we just analyze, we reassess, and we rebuild. There's not really a downside to this other than are you okay putting yourself out there to take a butt whooping? You know, and when your fitness pops, sometimes it pops. I gave you this perspective on the phone yesterday when we chatted. And <clears throat> fitness can happen quick if you've done some sort of proper base building, which most of you are running and Bracken you have. Mm -hmm. For example, in the 2018 National Series, I had struggled with plantar fasciitis and it limited my running severely. And I went to the first U.S. National Series, San Jose, and I took 13th. And honestly, I probably should have taken like 17th, but some idiots missed their spear that day and I got lucky, right? Three weeks later, I go to Seattle, the second U.S. National Series race, and I take fourth. How much could have really changed in three weeks? Maybe a lot, maybe nothing, I don't know. But the point being is that my fitness escalated exponentially in three weeks and I went from a unsatisfying race to a race that was to this day tied for my best finish in the U.S. National Series. So... The point being is if you do the right work and maybe get yourself ready and you have been running somewhat consistently, there isn't any reason we couldn't show up, roll the dice and maybe still pop a race. And I think there's a lot of people out there in that boat feeling the exact same way, feeling behind the eight ball, um, listening to us tell you that you need to periodize your season and do slow work and some threshold work. What do you have to say about the specifics of what we've been preaching in regards to like the upcoming season? As far as the specifics go. No, I don't think that has to change. Our core tenets, our philosophy does not change. However, the great thing about putting in an intense block of training is that with seven to 14 days down after that, you can rebuild again with no compromise to your season. Sometimes with three or four days down. Also, you can do your standard build up and just have some OCR and speed finishers added in throughout your week to kind of sharpen you up for race day. I don't think people have to choose one or the other. I'm choosing my long-term development. I'm just throwing in a seven and a half week sharpening phase to test out what I've built so far. Because realistically, I have 14 weeks of semi-okay base building. You know, you can build base for up to 10, 12 weeks before you start to plateau. And then you can do threshold work for a while. And then after that, you got to sharpen. And how long can you work? above your anaerobic threshold, we're talking around VO2 max or faster. How many weeks does it take to max out those capacities? I don't know, three to six. Yeah, three to six are the numbers. Yeah. The more fit you are, the quicker you can get it done. But you don't see people take longer than six weeks to max out their current capabilities based off what they've done prior. So if it takes six weeks, yeah, I'm missing a cog or two in the rotation, but I can max out my current ability in six weeks. Now, if this was a super beast and we both said this on the phone, we're screwed. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be going and racing no. a beast, not a chance. No, a five to six K race that was seven weeks of VO2 max style work, we can we can for sure make it a mile and a half, two miles. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half, maybe, and maybe you're in a race at that point. 
So I don't think it compromises anything, but it's going to give me personally the opportunity to say, all right, with a seven week perfect progressive overload, high intensity block, what was I able to build off what I've done? And now we're just going to reassess and rebuild. And there's also some merit to the fact of building some high end pseudo peak fitness, deloading, and then restarting a base process ahead of where you would have been otherwise. And this ultimately may pay off in making you more fit by the time midsummer rolls around anyways. It really can. As you know, as an athlete, I was a three season athlete in college, indoor track, outdoor track, and cross country. And we peaked and sharpened three full different times in the year. And every time we did that and reset, I got better for the next peak. And every time we did that again, I got better for the next peak. And it kind of it ebbs and flows that way anyways. And so um, I'm not even saying it's going to be a detriment to your long-term progression this year or, no, or sure. mine. I'm a little more behind the eight ball than you are being eight weeks in, but I like to roll the dice. I want to talk about something then with you because we're bringing this up because I think the series dropped and everybody was like, Oh, geez, some were excited. Some were like, oh shit, uh, I got to get ready. And some were like, I'm not going to go to this because of the obvious situation. I think we should give the listeners some, uh, a little more specifics. That's what we do here, right? The, the tangibles, the objectivity of training. If you're trying to get yourself ready now, how should your training shift? Let's give a few more specific examples. You said OCR finishers. You said yeah. maybe some shorter intervals, keeping the threshold work in there, all that I agree with. But let's set them up with a week or two. Well, I think there's two ways to go about this. The way that we are programming in for the running public plan and the way that I'm going to do it with myself. Yep. And the way we're programming in for the plan is don't compromise your build. Add in little special pieces to allow you to crack the whip for 30 to 40 minutes in Jacksonville. And so we talk about OCR and speed finishers. And what that means is that when you've completed your workout or two thirds or three quarters of your workout, you shift gears and work on something specific when you're in a tired state and you work hard. And one of those could be a short carry and interval workout. Mm -hmm. You know, you've talked about one where you run hard with a carry for 200 meters and then you run hard for four or 600 meters without a carry. And you do two or three rounds of that. Not a huge workout, but it's very race specific. It's not damaging. And it's so short that it doesn't compromise anything you're trying to accomplish that week, but it gives you race specific skill prep. Yep. I think the biggest change, um, whether you get the running public training plan or you do your own thing or whatever we do. And again, you and I aren't going to be doing exactly what our training plan outlines, but similar, close, Mm -hmm. um, is uh, for me, no place for compromise run work in the next two months was part of my plan. And now it's going to be plugged in immediately. And so the transitions, if we learned anything from a short race last year in Jacksonville, obstacles matter, transition matter, getting in and out of things fast matter. Johnny Luna Lima outlined it great in his last episode saying like, that's what ruined the race for him in Jacksonville. So the one shortcut I'm making is compromised OCR specific work has to be thrown in now, whereas I would have pushed it off later. Yeah. And I agree that you can take whatever you're doing and make it race specific. You don't even have to leave your threshold phase if you don't want to just do it compromised. And that doesn't, I mean, you would have some coaches that would argue that you won't get as big of a anaerobic threshold development as you would if you did your running in a vacuum, but it's not going to stagnate your progression. It might just slow a little bit of your progression but it'll greatly enhance your ability to use that fitness right now in a race rather than building it 
a bit higher and then tacking on your OCR style running on top of it. But you can simply keep your training plan and make it compromised. Exactly. And um, the threshold compromise work is is great. Mm -hmm. And I think you outlined that really nicely. Like, yeah, it may take a percent off your top threshold potential if you were just going out and running instead of doing compromise running. But just regular threshold running isn't quite as race specific as we need it to be right now. So I think that's it's a good point. And then the other thing that I would say is that you got to think of what pace it's going to take for you to compete in place where you want to place. So filtering in some workouts that will allow you to work at that pace a little bit is going to be important for run economy, for familiarity with the turnover and the feeling. So the combination of doing some compromise work and then getting some race pace specific work in just so it's not the first time your body's experiencing that when you, when you, you know, start the race. I think those are the two things that I would change. We can keep it vague like that, but I think that's, that's all that comes to mind for me. Anything else? No, that's, that's specifically what I would advise most people to do right there. And it's yeah. also not what I'm going to do. You care to share Bracken? Yeah. So I've been in this position once before it was back, I believe 20, in coming into the first race of the year, I was coming off of surprise, uh, a bit of time away because of injury. And I had the city field stadium race coming up. It was the first race of the series of the year. And it was the first time that Spartan had made it. You couldn't drop one of your races, all races counted. Mm -hmm. And so everyone who wanted to be there, I mean, wanted to do well in the series had to go to that one. And I just decided, Hey, I don't have time to build up the way I normally would. So I'm going to show up the toughest compromised runner there. I'm just going to be in gutsy shape. I may not have the best running ability or threshold ability or endurance of anyone there, but I'm putting all my eggs in the nasty basket. I like how this story ends, by the way. Was that the sprint finish with Kempson? Yeah. Hunter, Kent, Isaiah, both Kempsons. It was a packed field. And I was, I was fortunate because of the way the race played out that I was in position at the end to win it. And I, I pulled it off. And the only reason I was able to is because I could compromise run all day or at least for 20 to 30 minutes and I could hurt. Well, did you look and see what the winning time was for Jacksonville last year on the men's side? Was it like 28 minutes? You got it. Yeah. So point being, there's not a hell of a lot of a difference between a stadium duration and a sprint in Jacksonville, which means what you said should be taken to heart. Yeah. And, and at the point wasn't that I won the race. Who cares? It was a race two years in the past. I care back in. I care, Bracken. <laughs> I truly don't even really care anymore other than it justified I've done this process once and it worked for me. How long did you sit in that process before the race? Six weeks. Six weeks you went from I'm building base threshold fitness type work to screw it. I'm going to be tough as nails mentally and transitionally and yep. it paid off. I went to three to four quality workouts a week for six weeks. I remember that. And they weren't always traditional. I would do a a really compromised circuit style running workout. And then the next day I would hit something threshold and compromised. I do back to back like Monday, Tuesday, and then I do it again, Thursday, Friday, where it's like half a workout Monday, Thursday and a full workout Tuesday, Friday. And I didn't do that every week, but I was running OCR 400s and I was running fan bike 5Ks and I was running uh, CrossFit workouts and just anything that would tear me inside out and make me run under extreme fatigue. And I showed up and I talked about it then and I've talked about it since, but my exact mindset was, you know what? 
I'm not the fastest here. In fact, I'm not even the fastest I've been, but I can go out and hurt right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what it took. And Jacksonville is going to probably be sloppy and it's short. And the ability to hurt and run while hurting is really going to matter. And so I'm going all in on that again. I'm doing a block of training where I'm not going to do a single quality day, even as slow as threshold work. I like it. It's all about it. And I'm just going to try to show up with, I don't care about my running metrics. I'm here to run hard for small chunks at a time. I'm very, you're getting me all jacked up listening to you because now I just want to see how this story ends already. Like I want to fast forward to February 28th and see it, see what's happening. Something I'm thinking about, and then we can get into, you know, the people again is um, because I've only run tw- two or three days a week right now, Bracken. Mm-hmm. My one stipulation is if I can't run three days a week consistently for the month leading into Jacksonville, I'm not going to go. Like first, that's just not smart, right? Of course. The other thing I'm playing around with, and and we're talking about hitting these hard quality efforts was my intent is to potentially hit some really purposeful, hard inside out run or OCR run workouts. And then the following day, go hit my threshold on the skis at low impact. Then take a day off, recovery run, start the the process over. So I could get two of those cycles in a week. I'm getting both in. I see your eyes, your wheels are turning right now. Bracken. I like that. Bracken's eyes were like rolling back in his head, like thinking about how he can make this work. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the ski ability to even try that. <laughs> so I'm thinking about doing that. So we're going to see, uh, I'll think on it a little bit. I did that this last week. I just did that Saturday and Sunday this week. So uh, we'll see what happens here. It'll be a fun little experiment. I like it. And this will be, this will be an ultimate experiment in who, who is correct here. The crowd that says compromise running doesn't matter or the crowd that says it does matter. The age old debate that we have created. Now there couldn't be a better setup for it because the race is going to be short and sloppy and that increases the need for it. But I am going to have, I believe I have this time for 21 to 24 quality days between now and the race. And only one third of them will not be compromised. Mm. So like one every 10 days. Uh, no, because I'm doing many per week. One every six days. One per week will be not compromised, and at least two per week are going to be compromised. Can't say I don't like it. I mean, based off your um, based off your previous experience. And, and listen, you and I have a middle distance background. Mm-hmm. The other day, I went out and ran three by mile with a long rest and broke five in all of them. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the fitness to run those back to back to back because my endurance sucks. There are guys in the sport that can casually go out and do those back to back to back. But the point is, you don't have to run much faster than that at any point in the race. You know what's funny though about that is there's no way I could go out and do those mile repeats like that right now. No. But my 5K was faster than yours. It's just a little perplexing. That's bizarre, huh? Our skill sets. It, is, it really is, but continue. Yeah. But the, the point is that if we go all in on our intensity and our compromise running and we just totally forsake our endurance and our threshold work because we, we don't have time to do it all. We're going to have the ability to lead the race if we wanted to for a mile, for sure. (laughs) Maybe a mile and a half. At some point, we might blow up, but we're going to arrive there knowing we're at least going to be able to be in the race, where if it were a super beast, we wouldn't even be able to go out with the leaders because it's just not even up up a mountain, 10 minutes up a mountain. I couldn't lead the first 10 minutes gun to my head if I got to stop after 10 minutes. But in a flat, nasty little race, we'll have the fitness to at least throw our hat in the ring. And if that hat gets violently kicked out and trampled upon after 12 or 15 minutes, hey, we got that much. Now we've got six more months to build the other half of the race, but it's going to be fun because it's more in our wheelhouse. 
you can go to bed that night knowing you tried and that's valuable. That's priceless. I think what we are trying to get across here is after this all came out, and then Bracken and I chatted yesterday, obviously off mic, and we're like, shit, are we actually going to do this? You know, we were going against a little bit of what, we, what we've been preaching. We also wanted to let you know, like, based on what we've been preaching, it's still not asinine for you to want to or think that you can't go out and do it too if it excites you. <laughs> like, don't compromise your heart or your desires or what actually makes you happy because you have to follow the principles or protocols of the slow periodized build um, to ultimately reach your potential this year. Like it's okay to make decisions from the heart as long as there's a little head involved. And so that's where we landed, man. And I think, I think other people can land there too. Yeah. And so I think it was important to just get that across more than anything today, because I don't know about you, or anybody listening, but I was very taken aback when it was dropped and a million thoughts went through my head. So we couldn't have been the only two. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and this, we want to get across the power of the mind game. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be perfect for your mind to be perfect. And if your mind is dialed in, you can go out and do whatever you want. And that carries over to life because so many times in life, things get sprung on us. You know, I look at our own home buying experience of the last year where we were talking, all right, we're ready to be done renting again. We hadn't owned a home in five years, but we're ready to get back to home ownership. And then suddenly the perfect home just popped up and we, our timeline was compressed. And it's not the way we would have gone about it. We would have wanted to put more down on the house. We would have wanted to get a different interest rate. But the fact was we had to take what we had in that moment and just say, I'm taking this because I cannot let that house slip through my fingers. I wanted my children growing up next door to their grandparents. And that was it. And so we did what we had to do over the course of about six to eight weeks to get that process done before someone else took it from us. Mm -hmm. But because there's no fatigue involved, there's no embarrassment involved. You just went after it. And sometimes we don't do that in life. And sometimes we do. But if you can do it on the race course, you can do it in life. Like these things are cross categorical. They move from one area to the other. And the more you have that adaptability and flexibility with your mindset, just the better you're going to be at everything. And then imagine how good you're going to be at things when the stars do align. So I think practicing mental flexibility is really important for the general public to do because, like I said, we're not the tip of the spear here. We're not the people who have six-figure endorsements on the line if you do poorly. We're the people that want to have fun. And being able to drop and go, that's fun. What is that uh, Bill Bowerman quote in the Steve Prefontaine movies? It's like, if you can find the meaning in the kind of running that you need to do, to be on this team, you can probably also find meaning in the other observed pastime, life. And if that's not a metaphor for what, you know, this situation is presented, I don't know what is. I also, piggybacking on something you said, if you're the most ready to suffer, you're the most willing to race, you're at least ready to turn yourself inside out. I mean, how often do we see or say, like, it wasn't the most fit person that won the race? You see that all the time on the world level in distance running. Somebody who ran the best race, the grittiest race, the most tactical race wins. Um, that does apply to Spartan race and the shorter races. You do not have to have the best metrics to win or perform your best. You can simply execute or be more mentally prepared or more strategically sound. And so there are ways to fight and claw and inch your way to a position that maybe you don't belong in, according to your VO2 max or your lactate threshold that you can find on the race course. And so saying that is important to hear, man. And we're not going to say that prior to Utah or Big Bear or Tahoe. 
but this is a short race. It's different. So our point is not to convince you to suddenly scrap everything and go race Jacksonville. Not at all. Our point is to convince you that when an opportunity like that presents itself and you have a little inkling to go do it, we support that process because it is a healthy process if you do it for the right reasons. When you have something that pops up and you say, you know what? That excites me. That's all you need to know. You have our support to go after what excites you. Other races are going to be more sterile. This is going to be a mess. It's going to be a cluster down there. (laughs) And someone's going to be real glad they leapt into the fray. Yep. That's going to be you. Like I said, I'm done making predictions, Kirk. No one wants to hear predictions anymore. They want results. My prediction is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have fun destroying myself. And if that's 15th place, that's going to be a disappointed but happy bracket at the finish line. And if that's 10th or 5th or 1st, each place just is going to add to my my enjoyment of the process, but dropping places won't detract from it. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to throw all in, do what Hunter said, do a trial by fire, learn a little bit about myself and prevent some mental decay. Whether you do well, it'll fuel your fire. And if you do poorly, it'll fuel your fire. So either way, you're going to like yeah. relight or ignite something. And yet I've never signed up for a race with the intent to lose. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't show up like, man, do I can't wait to nail this and lose. Like I'm not showing up to get beat. So of course my focus is always to win every single race I ever step foot on. That's not a prediction. That's just telling you what my mindset's going to be. The odds are that you and I do not make the podium. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that that's what we're going there to do. Is Hunter planning to race? He said he's going to be right there next to me. In Jacksonville. That's what, that's what he said. Now, I don't. he's one of the busiest men I know, so we'll see what happens. But he says so he's going to go there and do it. It depends, though, if High Rocks Dallas is the same day or not. Yeah, I guess I was just wondering if Hunter was heeding the same advice he was giving you. I mean, he has been, right? He has been, but... He went from Spartan Games to High Rocks Worlds. Uh, but I mean, it sounds like after talking to him, after playing with his friends in the mud and getting out and connecting with Mother Nature on that mountain and getting back to his roots, he's like, shit, like I got to get back to this. I want to get back to this. And honestly, I think if it wasn't for Atkins beating him, it might be a different tune, but mm-hmm. it would be good. It would be good to see him come back and, and toe the line and put his, uh, yeah, what he preaches to practice. Um, but I do think if, if like more than anything, I'm not, I'm not trying to convince anybody to go do this race if they're not comfortable doing it. But I think it's for those who are on the fence. And I think really what it comes down to, man, like you said, is like, if it excites you, if that twinge of like little heart flutter gets going and you get a little nervous thinking about it and you're like, oh crap, the decision is probably right for you to go do it. Whether you have to take a road trip to feel safe or hop on a plane or whatever it is, um, excitement matters. How long has it been since we've had a carrot dangled in front of our face? What did I have to do right before and after our call, Kirk? He had to poop. I ran to the bathroom and I took a race poop. (laughs) The race is eight weeks away, Bracken. Yeah, that just tells me, though, that that's something I need to be doing. If I'm getting a visceral reaction from the thought of doing it, that's the situation I need to put myself in. Had nothing to do with your home uh, performance concoction? Man, I've backed off of that. (laughs) A worthwhile experiment. I will say that with our running public training plan, um, I know we're building this thing up. We are very excited to launch it. It's about freaking time, isn't it, Bracken? Yes. Even with this training plan, if you don't plan to race Jacksonville or the series, we are subbing those days out with something else of purpose, a time trial, a suggestion of sorts to go do a simulation or something that's still going to progress you. So I just don't want people to think like, oh, like if I don't run the series, the training plan's not for me. It absolutely is. No, this is general OCR fitness. 
get you yeah. to your highest level with emphasis on being ready for race day if you show up there. And if not, it's a test out day. Yeah, so it's a win-win in my eyes. Easy peasy. What else we got, man? Got workouts to do, Kirk. I have 21 to 24 quality days to get in without getting hurt, and then I'm ready to race. I don't know if I'm going to run 21 days in total before Jacksonville. (laughs) I added my intended training plan to that document we've been sharing, so you can go take a look at what I'm doing. I'm going to go read the secret sauce. I did ask for some reviews in the last episode. You guys uh, gave us some rating and reviews, so thank you for that. Appreciate that. Help me ring in the new year. You have any resolutions, Bracken? Growth, Kirk. Growth. What kind? The the word to describe my 2021 is growth. As a person, as a father, husband, athlete, business owner, as a person of faith, all of that, growth. I had some decent growth in 2020, and it illuminated the areas I was not growing. And so I need to be well-rounded. Growth. All-encompassing. All-encompassing growth. I like that. What about you? I'm just going to drink less booze, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as grandiose as yours, but it's time to start doing the little things. So I think if, you're, if yours is growth, uh, mine is the little things, which means um, taking a little more time on recovery. My mobility has not been as sound as it should be since starting to run. Um, and should a professional, in very strong air quotes, professional, be having a nightcap, a bourbon every night? Can't see how that's going to benefit my racing and training. So Mr. DeWint is going to slow down the booze, focus on the little things, Bracken. Can't knock that. Very different. Very different things we're focusing on this year. That's the purpose, right? It's got to be personal and pointed. Yeah, that's it. Well, countdown begins. Countdown begins. How long do we have? Just under eight weeks? Eight weeks from Saturday. Plenty of time to change your fitness. Plenty of time to get gritty. Plenty of time to get purposeful. Plenty of time to show up and actually race well. And you know what? I haven't been this excited about a training block in years. So if you're racing it, get to it. We'll see you down there.